0: Gun lawyer this is Evan Knappen and I'm happy to have this opportunity to share some fun and stories and you know we talk a lot about the laws and the impacts of the laws and these issues but I want to step back for a minute and I want to talk about some of the fun stuff every once in a while there's some good things out there that uh, we as gun owners and fans of weapons and such like to talk about or get. And i tell you what, I want to talk to you about something here that I think is really cool, and I I have one of these myself, and I just wanted to bring it to my listeners' attention. Let me just say I have no interest in this financially. I have, you know, there's no connection or anything. I'm just talking about something that I really got that I really like. And one of the things that I recently acquired is a cold steel 1917 Frontier Bowie knife. Now, I want to talk to you about this cold steel Frontier Bowie knife. First of all, the knife is Jersey legal. So there's a Yahoo, because if you're in Jersey, you can have this knife. And furthermore, you can even order this knife. There are other sources, but you can get it from Amazon, by the way. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, this Cold Steel Frontier Bowie is only 109 bucks. And, you know, I'm, I've been a knife guy my whole life. And I wrote the book on U.S. knife laws. I've been a collector, I write for Blade Magazine, write for the Knives Annual. i mean into knives. And I have all kinds of knives, and some are. Just exquisite, handmade, and other stuff is, you know, just inexpensive stuff that I still appreciate. But the reason I want to point out this Cold Steel Frontier Bowie is that it is one hell of a piece of a knife for $109. bucks. i am impressed. And I usually don't get easily impressed. But this one I'm impressed with for that kind of money. First of all, the blade on it, is 12 and a quarter inches long. The blade itself is over a foot long, okay? The handle is a large handle that actually fits my big hand, and the balance on it is really sweet, and it's one piece of steel from top to bottom, Uh, It's what they call a full-length tang. So it's one piece of steel. So you're less likely to have any uh, You know breakage where a handle would break because the steel of the knife goes all the way through all the way to the back of the handle and the handle has these hardwood slabs of wood and the real nice s-guard bowie it's a really you know the blade geometry on this piece is really sweet and when you hold it in your hand it just feels good and that s-guard bowie allows for a great fencing grip or any other knife fighting grip and uh the, the 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 guard is actually welded onto the blade so that it's not just hanging there loose and rattling and you know you're dependent on the handle to keep it pushed forward no it's actually welded to the blade itself so the guard is really well placed and the handle is uh, ample for even someone with a big hand and the blade has this wonderful blood groove that goes through the whole blade it also adds a little bit makes it a little lighter and it also you know because it is a quarter inch thick steel so it's quarter inch thick but it is uh it really has nice balance and sweet and and, and it has a, a big choil now the choil is the is right in front of the guard there's a cutout that you could wrap your fingers through the guard so that your forefinger is actually in front of the guard and wrapping around the blade and then your other fingers can really get a tight grip with the S guard in between your fingers and your front finger in front. Some people like to grip a knife strongly like that if they doing a certain kind of work, but uh, you really should check check this blade out. I am really impressed. It's got this very rich, deep bluing to the blade. It's not just some shiny mirror polished. You know, thing. It is a deep, rich blue. And then, to top it off, it has a spectacularly great scabbard. Not some cheap nylon deal, you know, with Velcro, you know. No, no. The scabbard itself is leather, but it also has the old school. I'm talking, you know, Spanish American War period of the metal kip that extends up the leather protecting the bottom of the scabbard and then a metal collar or throat to the scabbard with a really well-attached belt loop that's on a a metallic part of the throat that carries it. It absolutely is reminiscent of the uh, Central American type Bowie's at the turn of the century. I happen to have an original uh, Argentine, very similar, really well-made scabbard for this thing. Very impressive. I got to tell you, for 109 bucks, that's a hell of a knife, and it's cold steel, so it's guaranteed by them. And I tell you to check that out. And if you're a fan of big blades, boy, this is really something and um uh the the geometry the handle and how it's constructed uh, all the grips that you would want to take in terms of any type of large fighting knife I mean really it's essentially almost a short sword and extremely impressive so look for 109 bucks check it out on uh, Amazon. And uh, I tell you, you won't be disappointed if you get one of these. Uh, And uh, it's made from um, uh, 1055 carbon steel. So, you know, carbon steel definitely holds an edge superior to stainless steel. And, And that's because the key to edge holding is carbon. And that's why stainless blades aren't completely stainless. If it was completely stainless. it suck. It wouldn't hold any edge. It's stainless. But carbon uh, really holds an edge because carbon is critical to edge holding. And by having that deep, beautiful blue uh, and having it carbon steel, it can really take uh, quite a nice edge. And if you're into knives at all and you want to have something like this with really not a lot of money invested into it for such an impressive piece that's the way to go and uh, then you might say well Ev how do I sharpen my knives what is the best product you've seen for knife sharpening now let me tell you folks I I uh, as a kid I mean when I was 17 18 19 I worked in the knife store in the mall that was my job I sold knives and worked for a company called Herder's Cutlery. And one of the things that we did sell a lot of was a thing called crock sticks. Now I know a lot of folks have their own favorite way of sharpening a knife and you know what it works for you I'm I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that if it works for you that's great. But I can tell you that based on my experience what we used to do is you know we just got you know whatever the small wage was in those days but with crock sticks every crock stick we sold we got a 50 cent bonus and what i loved about crock sticks is i'd set them up and individuals would just come in and they'd have a pocket knife their EDC of the day and they'd say hey would you like me to sharpen it and they're like yeah sure why not free sharpening and i'd take their pocket knife and i would sharpen it to just a razor sharpness on the crock stick. And the greatest thing about it is I never worried about scratching a blade. Because unlike a sharpening stone, which if any of you have fooled around with a sharpening stone, you know how easy it is to scratch a blade. But with crock sticks, I've really never had a problem of getting a blade scratch. And that's because the way crock sticks work is it's a it's a base of a block, and these two ceramic rods come up in a V. And when you pull the blade in a slicing motion, straight across with, into the V, it takes and places the edge upon the knife. And you literally go chook, 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 into that V, each side, and the sharpening process takes place. Now, if you ever wonder what sharpening actually is, if you looked under a microscope at the edge of a blade, you would see what is miniature saw teeth, essentially, you know, microscopic saw teeth. And what happens is when a blade dulls, those microscopic teeth are kind of busting off. And what a crock stick does is put that fine edge by recreating those microscopic teeth to the edge of the knife in a very efficient way. And I've used crock sticks my my whole life for sharpening knives very quickly and thoroughly and easily but one of the problems is it's hard to get crock sticks i can't even at least that brand of the big 12 inch sticks but luckily i've found that there's another product out there the lansky sharpener called the m edge one m edge one sharpening system And this is essentially crock sticks, but with a really better engineered base. Because the old crock stick bake was just a block of wood with two holes drilled in it. This is a plastic or nylon type base that holds the sticks very nicely underneath. And it has uh, coarse and fine and even a other stone that you can do fish hooks and even broadhead arrows, broadheads for archery and such. But this Lansky is actually, I think, even better than the old crock stick because of its design that can protect your hand in the sharpening process. And I tell you, I took that Frontier Bowie to my set of uh, Lansky crock sticks. You can shave with it now. Not a problem. And so, if you really want a great device for sharpening, I tell you, look seriously at the Lansky, particularly the M Edge One. It's like uh, forty-one bucks or something like that on uh, on Amazon, and you can find it other places too, I'm sure as well. But it's a uh, it's one of those proven things that I just really like and just want to share with you. when once we have something, you know, you know, works real well. I'll tell you another product that I use a lot that I get a kick out of, and that is. Uh, gun magnets I don't know if you're aware of gun magnets but what a gun magnet is is a strong magnet and you want and they're normally rubber coated and the magnet can screw or stick in anywhere you want and the magnet can hold a gun to it literally by a magnet so you can hide guns anywhere in your house under tables you know wherever I mean, you can't allow a miner to access a loaded firearm. you got to be careful about all that kind of stuff. But if you want to hide guns, I'm telling you, one of the best tools for hiding guns are these gun magnets. They're great. You can also hide knives with them, too, you want to have them. And uh, this one that I particularly use, but there's other ones out there. I'm just telling you, just one I have personal experience with is a GMW uh, gun magnet. It comes in like a two-pack. Point is it's rubber coated over the magnet so it won't scratch your gun or your knife, and yet it really holds it solid. And uh, I'm 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 impressed with gun magnets. I uh, readily use them. I'm not going to tell you where or how, but I sure do. So look into uh, gun magnets if it's something you're looking to do, because um, it's a great it's a great tool. It truly is a great tool. Now. Give you one last little product that I'm having a lot of fun with. I don't know if you can still get them, though. They may be out. Maybe it's just temporary. But this thing is just hilarious. And I guess it has some use maybe in survival or tactical. I don't know. Or maybe I'm just trying to rationalize it. But if you ever can get a hold of a screaming Aztec death whistle, I would highly recommend getting one. And I was online here, and believe it or not, Amazon has the Screaming Aztec Death Whistle, which is an authentic human-sounding screams from the ancient Aztec war whistle replica. And it's blasting out at over 125 decibels. And let me tell you something. This thing is loud, and if you blow it right, it sounds like an absolute scream of terror. So I blew this, of course by my wife who I was glad was not holding a 1917 Frontier Bowie knife because I'd be dead so uh, but if you want to play with something that maybe has some weird importance in post Armageddon world I would highly recommend getting an Aztec screaming Aztec death whistle hey when we get back I got some letters and maybe some other interesting recommendations for you. So we'll see you in a bit.
1: For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman. Tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a lawyer. I am a lawyer.
0: Okay, folks, we're back. And listen. thanks so much for being a Gun Lawyer Radio listener. And make sure you tell your friends and keep the word getting out there because this is how we... uh, get to spread the word and have our forum to talk about stuff that they don't want us talking about, especially, you know, Aztec death whistles, keep down the QT. But um, what I want to also bring forth is some things to think about now that we're dealing heavily with Bidenflation. I have a good letter coming up uh, as well that I'm going to share with you. But I do want to mention about this because we're, we're all suffering through, these inflationary times with record inflation, record trade deficit, record supply shortages, record, record breaking, uh, stat after record breaking stat, just seeing our economy crumble. And you know, we're heading into a recession. And I know that a lot of folks that are into firearms and such are also have, uh, tried to prepare themselves for such problems. And one of the best hedges against inflation, as many of you know, is metals. And the the old line is, uh, you know, uh, you want to uh, uh, save and have a good supply of gold, silver, and lead. And I guess there's something to be said for that. And the reason that metals and such are a hedge against inflation, and so are guns, so are knives, so is anything that's material, is because material items... Uh, gain in value and uh, whereas the dollar ends up decreasing in value. So when you have certain actual goods, they rise with the inflationary uh, times. And you know, the standard classic definition of inflation is uh, too many dollars chasing too few goods. Now you may say, where do I get off even talking about this? Well, I do also have my MBA and studied uh, economics, both the graduate and uh, at the master's level as well. And look, I don't claim to be an economic uh, uh, professor, an economist, but plainly I do know about inflation and its impact. And you, there was famous times of hyperinflation, as I'm sure you're aware of, in uh, various places have been hit with it. And, you know, one of the most famous was the Weimar Republic in Germany, uh, after the war, where the money essentially became worthless because of hyperinflation, and there's a st- old story about two brothers uh, who were in Germany uh, prior to the uh, uh, Weimar Republic, and one was an accountant, and the accountant was, uh, you know, very meticulous with his money, saved every penny, was very careful, and uh, you know, did what folks would consider to be the right thing the other brother was a drunkard and every every mark that came his way he spent it on uh booze and then he threw the bottle in the basement well when the hyperinflation hit the accountant brother was wiped out but the uh uh, alcoholic brother the habitual drunkard brother he made out fine because he had a basement full of bottles and they were worth something and you see, it's material goods that make the difference. So I don't tell you to go drink and save bottles. It's not the best plan against inflation. But I do want to point out an interesting thing that was pointed out to me. And I know a lot of us like to have our gold and our silver and our lead and all that, which is all good. But there's another item out there that's somewhat overlooked, and I want to tell you about it. And that item is the nickel. That's right, the American jefferson nickel do you know that the american nickel is worth more right now worth more in melted metal than in its face value of a nickel right now a nickel is worth more than a nickel now it's hard i don't think there's any other bit of american currency out there where you can say that the value of the metal is worth more than the face value of the coin and keep in mind that Russia was one of the largest exporters of raw nickel and that you know before the the war and with twenty one percent of the global supply of nickel came from that country next highest was Canada they had I think seventeen percent and so what's happened is the nickel in terms of face value if you were to melt a single nickel down it's worth um about 60 percent more than the coins face value so a two dollar roll of nickels they only you know went to the bank and gave them two bucks for the value in nickel of that two dollar roll of nickel is three dollars and 18 cents in the value of nickel. So that's yeah, and, and that and that includes nickels currently made because they haven't changed the composition of the nickel. And so nickel is the bargain in currency. Now look, we think gold, we think silver, we think those things. But right now, if you buy nickels, the one thing I'll guarantee you is that it's always worth a nickel. Because that's the face value of it. It's not going to be worth less than the face value. A nickel's worth a nickel. But right now, and I think even in the future, the value of that nickel is probably going to increase more and more because it's already worth more in metal than the face value. And so this is something to think about because if times get really bad and worse than we're living now, the nickel and the value of a nickel, you may be able to move nickels for a lot more value as a real piece of currency and a real piece of material good in metal than any paper dollar so this is something to think about and as my friends and gun owners and preppers and folks that care about these things something to consider you know you get those nickels in your change well throw them in a little jar and hang on to them because it's worth more than a nickel and who knows? Maybe that'll be something that, uh, you know, you might be able to trade for, I don't know, you know, baby formula or things like that. So, uh, there you go. So just a little thing to think about. Now I did get an interesting letter from, uh, John regarding carrying on his property. He says, Evan, longtime listener, every episode, I greatly appreciate what you do. I have a question about carrying a firearm on the property where I reside. I live. On a piece of land in South Jersey, 50-plus acres. While doing yard work and property maintenance, I frequently carry a pistol. It's been my understanding this is legal. When I listen to you talk about in your home, I think about on your property, is it legal on your property? I wish to stay within the law. And I'm looking forward to hearing the decision from the Supreme Court in the New York case. Well, me too. Can't wait to get that decision. We'll have a hell of a great show once that decision comes out and we can talk about it. But about this specific question. Yes, in New Jersey, there is exemption. And the exemption is found under NJS 2C396E. And under that exemption, you're covered on your property and your home, residence, your property, et cetera. And you can carry on your property. So as long as you're actually on your property, you are covered. Now, you got to be careful, though because it doesn't include the sidewalk, you know, if it's town owned doesn't include shared areas with na- you know, with your uh, neighbors common areas, that kind of thing. But if you're on your actual property that you own, then you are covered. And let me read you exactly so you can be confident. So NGS2C3960 and says when dealing with the handgun possession and rifle and shotgun possession and other weapon possession, by the way, which would include a uh, taser, by the way, nothing of that, sh- none of the prohibitions under 39.5, and that's where we find those prohibitions, shall be construed to prevent a person keeping or carrying about his place of business, residence, premises, or other land, owned or possessed by him, any firearm. So it's black and white on your land that you own or possess or your residence or your premises. You can carry concealed, loaded on your person with no permit. You're fine. But beware about stepping off your property. You walk into the street, you walk onto the sidewalk, you do something like that, and you're carrying, eh, you're now do not have the protection of the exemption. And that's where you got to be very careful. So the answer is yes, but make sure you're strictly on your property and don't even accidentally, you know, wander off your property, maybe to a neighbor's property or something. Then you're not covered. And even if you thought you are, you're going to have big problems. You've got to be on your property. But if you are, then you're covered. Hey, this is uh, Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws do not protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens.